Welcome to Confessions from a Dental Lab. This show is all about bringing you into the lab, beneath the surface, so you can see things, hear things, and understand things right from the source. Learn from longtime ceramists, dentists, and lab techs, both young and old. Without further ado, let's begin. Dr. David Bennett, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. How are you doing today? Yes, I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. And I'm very excited to have you on the show. Uh, Dr. David Bennett, we were actually connected through a mentee of yours. I believe that was Durning Moore. Yes. And, uh, amazing, amazing person, dentist, etc. Yeah. Family man. Yeah, no, so so it's kind of nice when um, the dental community can just bring, uh, you know, like-minded people together. And that's one of the things we hope to accomplish with this show. So my name is KJ Eichstead. I'm the brand manager at Newark Dental Lab, and you are listening to Confessions from a Dental Lab, where we take you below the surface so you can learn things and just get a little bit better by listening to this show. We're very excited to have Dr. David Bennett with us today. Dr. Bennett, where are you calling from? So right now I am in Aspen, Colorado. Uh, I practice in Denver, but uh, my family and I are avid skiers, and uh, so we kind of split time between Denver and, and here. And uh, the forecast for this week was pretty outrageous, so we've spent the week up here, and um, it's just been lovely. Amazing. Yeah, I've never been, but I grew up watching the X Games every year, and they always held them in Aspen, so that's yeah, pretty cool. For sure. um, were you able to see like uh, like the like the big air jumps and stuff like that? I don't know if they like tear down the sets after the they're done, but um, did- so they actually do keep them up. It's at a mountain called Buttermilk Mountain, and um, we actually went to the X Games for the first time this year. I have a son that's sixteen years old, and um, skiing is just kind of you know one of those things that we just really love as a family. But we had never been to the X Games, so we went this year, and um, yeah, pretty unbelievable. And yeah, they still have those kickers up if someone's brave enough to get on them. But um, <laughs> it's it's pretty daunting how how enormous they are we're we're definitely not park people we're definitely more out in the in this deep in the deep stuff in in the back so oh man yeah do, do you have to sign i'm assuming you had to sign like a waiver or something if they even let you out there i think yeah i don't know exactly how it works for something for something that size i think that people would pretty much just look at it and be like nah that's not even close to anything i'm willing to try yeah it's it's crazy like the lifts are literally above the height of the lift chairs. That's how that's how big these things are. Real quick before we get into some dental talk, do you have like a favorite uh, X Games event by chance? I mean, I think I mean we're skiers. Um, I can snowboard and ski, but we're pretty much skiers, so we're big fans of Skier Big Air and uh, the Knuckle Huck, where they can kind of do some creative stuff. Those are the two events that we went to this year. But um, I, I just think anything and everything that's happening right now in terms of the progression of the sport is uh is pretty epic what what these what these kids are are laying down is is just unbelievable so true i was gonna add that uh my favorite event's probably bigger as well just because i got i got the chance to meet bobby brown he he's uh oh, nice yeah he's like 33 at this point so he's kind of uh getting Legend. a little up there for for this uh you know this particular sport but in other than that you know obviously the half pipe is unbelievable seeing sean white do that growing up he would everyone would get like some good air and then sean white would just like double or triple that you know (laughs) right yep yep for sure yeah so so okay let's let's get into some questions um first question dr bennett uh take this any direction you'd like introducing dr david bennett like who are you and what do you do so um yeah so I would say that 
I'm a practicing dentist and at this point, a coach and educator, a coach exclusively for dentists that are kind of striving to reach the higher levels of our profession um, in terms of like the care they provide, the compensation they receive, and the lifestyle that they lead outside of dentistry. Um, as I mentioned, I, uh, I practice in Denver, Colorado, and uh, yeah, I'm involved in some other continuing education um, aspects, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. In a nutshell, that's kind of, uh, it's kind of what I'm about. Very cool. Yeah, I think you're the first um, dentist we've had on here that, you know, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I, I know it's like a great community um, in which everyone always likes to share their knowledge and everything. But but yeah, it's always fun to hear um, just like uh, tips and stuff to help people become, you know, just a little bit better, which is the goal of this show. So I guess uh, question number two, how long have you been practicing dentistry? And can you tell us a little more about your dental journey? Uh, yeah. So I've been practicing, um, I've been in private practice for uh, 25 years now, which is uh, kind of hard to believe when I, when I say it, I still feel like I'm pretty young at heart and, um, you know, but I got some gray hairs and some experience to prove I've been at it for a little while, I guess, at this point. Um, you know, I was really fortunate to be in my career working with my father. Um, he knew, he no longer practices, but uh, he was really an amazing dentist and mentor to me. Um, I, I really have guess you'd say an entrepreneurial spirit. And over my 25 years that I've been practicing, I've kind of gone through a series of practice transitions. Um, I initially purchased my dad's practice, but then I also started two practices from scratch. Um, I've purchased two other practices and kind of during that time frame, I've also sold three practices. So um, currently I own two practices. One is a small boutique kind of three chair fee for service practice in Denver uh, very close to my house. And then the other is a more traditional six chair, also fee for service practice in Centennial, where I also have a partner. And um, at this point, I pretty much focus solely on comprehensive aesthetic and full mouth restorative dentistry. So um, that's kind of where things are at now. But um, I guess as a dental journey, as you said, um, it really kind of began with my father, I wouldn't be where I am without him. Um, you know, from very early on, Actually, even before I graduated dental school, my dad, um, he took me with him to uh, to kind of advanced CE classes that he was taking. You know, by then he had been in practice for 20 plus years. But, you know, like by my junior year, I had taken courses from Larry Rosenthal, Bill Dickerson, David Hornbrook, all kind of legends in dentistry at this point. And um, I was really hooked uh, even before I had graduated and wanted to focus all my attention on learning everything I could about aesthetic, restorative, and reconstructive dentistry. So... Um, yeah, when I graduated um, with my DDS from Marquette in 97, oh, I went to yeah. practice with my Very dad. Cool. Yeah, I know. I thought that you were in Waukesha, actually. Yeah, we're, we yeah. we uh, do all the mar uh, lab work for Marquette Dental School. So that's a really do cool you connection. Really? We do, oh, yeah. They're amazing. great clients. Very blessed to have them. That's awesome. Yeah, my and my wife actually was born in uh, in Waukesha. And uh, I have very yeah, fond memories of, uh, of Wisconsin. Yes, yes. The the winters are tough sometimes, but uh, hey, you can't. The people make summers. up for it, though. You you know, I have heard that time and time again. We we are blessed to have some great people here, and man, Doctor Bennett, you know, it just sounds like a fascinating journey. I mean, you've already uh, got me got me thinking because uh, on a recent interview we did, we actually got into the nitty gritty of of someone buying their first practice and it's it's mm -hmm. like wow you, you know you've done that a few times you've sold it you you've started them and i guess like 
for all the aspiring dentists out there, quick follow up. Yeah. What's like the biggest difference in terms of like starting from scratch and also like buying one? You know, could you maybe talk a bit yeah. about pros and cons for each? Because I know there's sure. a ton of like, like even Marquette students listening to this, you know, students yeah. in dental schools all across the country. I think it'd be tremendously valuable to just get your perspective on. For sure. So, um, I mean, there's a much greater risk for sure in starting a practice from scratch. There's certainly a lot of, there's a lot to be said about buying a practice. Uh, I guess what I would say, and, um, you know, I'm sure like we'll probably get into this even like a little bit later in the call, but, um, you know, I really, uh, I really think that, that dentistry is the, is the greatest profession. I mean, I believe so much in, in dentistry and think that it's such a wonderful thing that we provide and that we do and, um, and the people that are in the industry. And I do think that, um, there's been some changes in the the makeup of the marketplace in dentistry. And I know it's harder for people coming out of school to be able to, you know, go into practice on their own. There's been emergence of corporate dentistry. Um, maybe talk about this just a little bit later on in, in the talk. But uh, what I want to say is that the future of private practice is very, very bright. That um, my encouragement would be whether it's, starting a practice from scratch, whether it be um, maybe being fortunate enough to buy into a practice that um, private practice is, is where it's at. And um, I get that in today's world coming out of school with debt, I mean, I, I had that too. I mean, I, I didn't have a free ride. I paid, I had to pay for my dental school. I had loans to cover it. I had to buy into my practice, my dad's office like anybody else. And so um but it is a it is learn. a trip it is a trip worth taking and and being an owner in your practice doing either your own thing or as a partner just being an owner in a practice that that really is where it's at and i would encourage everyone to take that step it's easier and better and less risk if you can do it by buying an existing practice but um you know if you are someone that's very entrepreneurial and um, you're pretty business savvy, and you don't have a lot of fear of risk, then starting something out on your own is certainly a viable option too. But um, having done multiple of both, buying is better. Huh, very interesting. I'm sure maybe some dentists will have a couple follow-up questions for you, but we'll make sure to put your contact info in the in the description of the show. Man, that's a, I mean, we could we could do a whole show on that. And um, I'd be happy at some point in time to come back and talk about it. I have certainly helped um, dentists that I've worked with as a coach. Sometimes it is a dentist that already has an existing practice and it's really struggling and helping them to um, actually grow through acquisition and buying another practice. There was a, a dentist, wonderful dentist that I can give you his, uh, information maybe when we're um, off the show. His name's Jesse Ritter, killer um, practitioner, fantastic person. Um, his practice, um, we when he hired me as a coach, it was one of those things where he really wanted to grow and he wanted to grow fast. And we looked at growth through acquisition and his practice literally doubled in the time that we worked together in the in the year that we worked together. And so um, there's a lot of ways to be able to to grow it. And, you know, I've also worked with Dennis in terms of, you know, 
trying to find the right practice after having sold and after having bought and looked at prospectuses. I feel like at this point I have an idea of what is um, potentially a, a good buy and what is something that you should maybe pass on. And um, yeah, I'd be happy to, to at some point in time talk a little bit about uh, what to look for in terms of what what's a good sign for a practice that's going to be a, a good purchase and one to maybe shy away from. Yeah. Would you be, uh, you know, obviously you don't have to get into it super deep, but would you be willing to share maybe like a small nugget with the audience, like, like, uh, just something that, that maybe they could take away, like, like what's one thing, you know, cause obviously there's probably multiple things, but what's one thing you look for that, that says, Hey, this might be a great opportunity. And on the flip side, what's one thing you, you, you look for where you're like, Hey, uh, you know, I'm not sure if this makes sense right now. Yeah. So what it really kind of comes down to is, you know, what, what is it that you're, you're buying? And when you're buying a practice versus starting a practice, the big advantage is an existing patient base. Mm. And so with that existing patient base, you know, the question is, you know, you're, what you're essentially trying to buy is future revenue. And so what does the future revenue look like? If it's a practice where all of the dentistry has sort of been performed and has been completed, then you're going to have at least a stable base to start from, but it's not one of those things that it might have this crazy growth that is to be expected. Whereas if it's a practice that is maybe someone that has been um, doing kind of the bare minimum of dentistry for a while, that there is a lot of need there, that it's maybe an older practice or an older dentist. And ironically, those are often the ones that get overlooked. They're, they don't look very sexy on, on paper. It might be in like an older building or it might be a little more run down. Um, and therefore, the value and the cost of buying it isn't as high. But when you look at the amount of work that's being done and you look at what the dentist is actually producing, that um, you know, if you've got a situation where the hygienists are producing as much as the dentist, you're going to be buying a gold mine. You know, um, there's there's definitely if there's if there's work that needs to be done, and there's been minimal um, comprehensive treatment done over the course of time, that's going to be a practice that's going to explode with the right person at the helm. Wow! Wow! Super valuable. Thank you for sharing, Doctor Bennett. And and then maybe if of you course. wouldn't mind, like like the flip side, what's just like a red flag? Almost. Uh, I'm sure these might be easier to identify, but but if you wouldn't mind sharing a little nugget about a red flag. Yeah, I mean, I think that a red flag would would be if um, it's if the numbers are you're having a hard time having the numbers make sense. If it's like, well, you know, you're going to be paying this large sum for a practice. You know, let's say that you're paying you know over a million for a practice, and um, there's there's a person that has been seeing people for a long period of time. There's been a ton of dentistry that has been done within that practice, and you've seen a slow, like sort of a steady um, decline in the the revenue of the practice. Um, if you're buying something that has um, very little growth associated with it, but there's not necessarily a ton of work that needs to be done. I mean, as old school as it is doing chart audits and looking at x-rays and, and that like taking, looking at one month, like, t like going in at lo and looking at a practice and literally looking at every single set of x-rays for every patient that has been in for one month. And that's going to give you a snapshot of how much work needs to be done or doesn't need to be done. And when you're buying a practice 
you're actually buying the goodwill more than anything else. And the value of the goodwill is the degree to which they have dentistry that needs to be done. So if a lot of of work has already been completed, if there's big numbers associated with the practice, but maybe there's not as much need that's remaining, then that might be one that you're paying a premium for. That is high level stuff, Dr. Bennett. Thank you so much for sharing. I know uh, there's, there's a ton of value in what you just said. And I'm sure the audience is going to appreciate that big time. Uh, how about this? You know, you, you, you've kind of gotten into this a little bit, but I'm going to give you the floor here. What's one X factor that separates you from other dentists? Any direction you'd like to take it? Oh, boy. Um, so my biggest X factor by far is my case acceptance. Um, hmm. I have a remarkably almost ridiculously high case acceptance for comprehensive full mouth restorative dentistry. Like, you know, cases that are, you know, upwards of 40, 50, 60,000. Um, those are things that we do, um, very routinely in, in our practice. And, um, that was kind of born out of a study and research that I did on patient psychology and motivation early in my career. And, you know, kind of from the insights and understanding from that, I kind of created and refined, this system, um, it's like a systematic method of going from sort of new patient exam to comprehensive case acceptance. And um, when I'm working one-on-one, like coaching a dentist, um, even though most dentists actually initially want to work with me to learn like the technical skills of how to do full mouth reconstructive dentistry um, and aesthetics, um, there's really nothing that's going to transform their practice and their life in a more profound way than me teaching them the skills and methods that I use to get case acceptance. Um and, you know, I've coached with dentists at this point all over the country, from East Coast to West, everywhere in between, uh, really in wide-ranging socioeconomic areas. And um, the process for case acceptance, it just works kind of universally. It's worked with all different types of dentists practicing in all different types of locations with wide-ranging demographics. And that's because it's really based in human psychology. You know, humans are the same wherever you go. Um, we all have the same hopes, dreams, fears, desires. And really the same factors that motivate us or keep us stuck. And so, um, you know, case acceptance is really based on three skills or attributes that the dentist really needs to possess. Um, The dentist must have confidence in their clinical skills. And dentists are usually pretty good about going about and trying to find that continuing education, etc., um, but the other piece is they really must be a, a very clear and effective communicator and and understand the right things to communicate. And they must have what I refer to as kind of a an abundance mindset or a success mindset. Um, when I'm working with a dentist in a coaching capacity, it's really these skills that I'm teaching them to master. And, you know, unfortunately, that's why traditional dental continuing education, it all too often falls short from really transforming a dentist practice. And the reason why is that CE focuses on knowledge, not on implementation. And we all quickly forget what we don't do on a regular basis. And so like having a coach is such a game changer. And it was for me, and I'll talk a little bit about kind of how I arrived at at that. Um, But a coach can not only show you kind of like the blind spots that you can't see that are holding you back, but they hold you accountable to implement what you've learned. And it's in that action of doing and implementing that it actually creates the forward momentum that transforms your practice and your life. Knowledge is not enough. Wow, that is groundbreaking. I mean, it's so true. It's like, to me, as as someone in business, it kind of makes me think of 
the the classic uh, person who who might you know stay in school, like get a bachelor's, get a master's, you know, get another master's, and then get a PhD, and then next thing you know, they're like thirty five, and they've never really done anything in the workforce. Right. Versus like the the kid who kind of goes into the into the trenches when he's like you know eighteen or twenty two, and and just learns, you know, in the in the in the real world environment, and uh, yeah, you have to. To, to like do the work and you have to apply what you learn, right? It's one thing to learn, but it's another thing to actually like put it into practice. So, so that was totally. great. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, well, and I have to, and I have to yeah, be respectful it. to those people too, that I learned from. I mean, I was really, um, you know, blessed in that I had amazing coaches and mentors myself. You know, when I graduated from dental school, like, you know, my dad sent me to, to learn from some of the, some of the best, you know, from 2000 to 2002, every couple of months, I actually would visit and train in Frank Spears office in Seattle. Um, this was before he moved down to Scottsdale and, um, kind of during the same time, my dad suggested that I go and visit Bill Strupp's practice in Clearwater that he knew and, um, and to learn from him and really seeing Frank and Bill's level of dentistry and learning how they communicated with patients, it was it was really inspiring to me. So, um, you know, I guess you could say I just have, I kind of learned the right way from the beginning, and that's what I would also recommend to dentists that are starting out is like if you can learn the the right way and then have the opportunity to be able to practice and refine that the rest of your career, um, that really makes a huge difference in your trajectory as well. Great advice. Great advice. Are, are there any other, uh, you know, maybe mentors or, or people you'd like to thank or shout out real quick? You know, um, there's, there's definitely some interest. I'm really, I mean, my dad, of course, as I, as I mentioned, um, but there's, there's really some amazing things that are happening in dentistry as well right now, you know, um, t- as I didn't like just decide that I wanted to be a coach or an educator or whatever. It was something that kind of people in the dental industry and other dentists asked me to about, and if I'd be willing to work with them and help them. And, um, you know, for years I taught, um, a hands-on full mouth reconstruction course with Pacific aesthetic continuum in San Francisco, Vancouver. I think pack live is kind of what people more commonly know it by. And, um, one particular dentist, um, he did his first full mouth reconstruction on his patient, flew his patient, flew his assistant out. And, um, he actually has recently in the last maybe four or five years started a really progressive continuing education company called thrive. Um, I don't know if any of you, if any of you have heard of that, but, um, they really do an amazing job of kind of like what's next in dental continuing education. The website is the thrive Um, anyway, um, this doctor's name is Dr. Galen Dietrich and, um, he's become a great friend. And, um, I initially sort of started out as a mentor to him, but he started this company and, um, kind of asked me to, be involved in a video series that they call rehab, which basically details everything that you would ever want to know from like completing full aesthetic reconstructive work. And so I think it's so interesting how dentistry can go full circle, like a dentist that I'm sitting down and teaching them to do their full mouth reconstruction, you know, five years later is starting a continuing education company and asking me to, to put, um, put that program together. So, um, if there's younger, if there's younger dentists that listen to the podcast, I just think Thrive has got this amazing 
youthful energy and uh, really has created this amazing community that really supports their um, their members. So um, I don't know if that's necessarily um, someone that I would say is, you know, a mentor to me, but um, it is it is something that I feel like the, the listeners would get value out of. Well, that's that's uh, the name of the game, you know, just providing tangible value and, and not just like the the teases, so to speak, you know, and uh, I, I appreciate you sharing all that. How about this? Let, let's talk about the patient for a sec, because yeah. we, we wouldn't be where we are without the the patients out there trusting us with with, you know, uh, the skills that, that we've t- picked up over the years. But 100%. what's something your patients have taught you over the years? Yeah. So, um, gosh, you know, 25 years, I've learned so much from, from my patients, but I, I, you know, I guess, I guess there are probably two things that would really stick out to me. One is just, uh, gratitude, you know, um, the trust that our patients place in us and, you know, the financial investment that they make in their health with us, especially with more comprehensive treatment. I mean, it really, that's what allows us as dentists to to do what we do, to have the life that we that we have and enjoy. And, you know, it really all starts with that initial moment of connection and trust and um, support. And, you know, it's we've all been patients before and it's not an, an easy place to be put in. And um, I guess that's what I would say first and foremost that comes to mind is just gratitude for um, for their trust and for their their support and their willingness to to allow us to do what we do. Um, I guess the second one, and this one might be kind of, I think it's important for dentists to hear this one because it sort of goes against what a lot of us believe. And um, my patients have taught me over the years that, you know, the cost or the money in doing treatment is really not the barrier to doing treatment like many dentists believe. Um, I have not just have a belief, but have 25 years of experience to support the idea that really if we communicate with a patient in a way that they really understand and value what we have to offer in terms of health or even an aesthetic solution, um, I know that they're going to find the money to make it happen. Um, Just getting people to move forward with treatment, it's in their best interest, right? I mean, that's the thing about dentistry. It's like, we're not selling cigarettes here. You know, I mean, we are assuming that we are doing things in an ethical manner in that we are diagnosing, presenting what we would want for ourselves and for our loved ones. I mean, we, what we are selling sells itself because it's something that they need and it's something that is in their best interest. I feel like that the biggest challenge is just communicating those values to them in a way that they understand. But once they understand the solution, the benefits of the solution, and then the consequences, if they don't do something, money is not the barrier. People will find a way to get what they want and what they value done. Where there's a will, there's a way. It's so true. And, uh, you know, going back to your first point, I think, uh, you know, patients have choices uh, where they want to go to get their dental work done, just like dentists have choices where they want to go for their lab work. So it's kind of one of those things where it really is something to be thankful for that someone chooses you and trusts you with those 
uh, you know, you did a great job just explaining the importance. It's like, it's, it's part of their, their overall wellness and um, part of their yes. happiness too. Like a, like a great smile that brightens someone's day. And we always like to say at do art, um, you know, one smile can change the world. And, and we love helping love dentists uh, one smile at a time, you know? So, yeah. so how about this kind of yeah. leading to my next question? Talk lab. Yeah. How important is it to work with a good dental lab and why is that important for dentists? Sure. So, I guess, I suppose it sort of depends on the nature of your dental practice, but with a niche practice like mine or any practice that is really based in restorative, aesthetic, or indirect dentistry, like lab use, the lab use is totally critical. I mean, the dental lab can either make or break you. It can make you look like a master or a novice, depending upon the aesthetics, depending upon how the delivery goes. I mean, we know, we all know how precise and what the difference between success and failure is. And, um, you know, you really want a practice that is attracting patients for cosmetic or aesthetic work. You know, if you want to build an aesthetic practice where people are coming to you for that, the results that you get from your lab can literally make or break the practice. Um, you know, and I think that dentists need to recognize too that. You know, you get what you pay for when it comes to lab work. You can't expect to build a premium aesthetic practice on cheap mass-produced CAD CAM crowns. Like you just can't. Um, and 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 I think that dentists also. I, I shouldn't say all dentists. I shouldn't generalize. I know for myself, when I stopped looking at my lab, and this was many many years ago, um, but as a vendor, but as actually someone that is a highly valued collaborator, someone that, that is, um, that, that is when things really started to change. You know, it's so important to work together, to communicate both with words and with photography, you know, it really becomes a relationship. And in my opinion, if you're having, uh, a practice that is heavily based in aesthetic or reconstructive work, it is one of your most important relationships. You know, you got to look at it like someone that is an employee, someone that is in your office, someone that is a critical factor to your chain of success and um, that you're really working together to attain something special and beautiful. You know, I mean, at dentistry at its best is really, you know, we're creating unique pieces of functional art. And I like the idea of something that we're doing that is um, bespoke and is, is niche and is unique and um, approaching it that way, um, I'm not afraid to charge what I charge and I'm not afraid to pay what I pay for a lab fee because I know that the value is there. Wow. Yeah. I, I've heard that as a theme. It's like, I even heard a dentist in his own words say, Hey, I didn't really have confidence in myself as a dentist. I thought I was a bad dentist and I switched to your lab and it, you know, everything just fits right in and it's like, everyone's happy. And it's like, it, it kind of taught him just how important it is. But, but I love the, the word choice you used in terms of collaborator. Uh, we actually just made these shirts. They say great dentist plus great lab equals winning team. And nice. uh, it is really like a, a teamwork makes the dream work thing. And, and how about this bonus totally. question? Cause, yeah. cause you're, you're full of knowledge, Dr. Bennett. Uh, what advice would you give to aspiring dentists and other dentists out there just to maximize success uh, in 2023, 2024 and beyond? 
And yeah. if, if you could take it a step further and maybe try and give them another like tangible nugget, right? Like there's like, there's like general advice, but which we know you have tons of it, but like, if you could just, you know, maybe give them like a tangible nugget of wisdom uh, sure. that they can go and apply like this week, next week type of thing. Yep. Okay. So, um, man, that's an open-ended question. Can I, do I have a few minutes? I don't want to be too long with this, yeah, but there's yes, there yes, a lot you do. to say. There's a lot to say in terms of kind of where dentistry is going. So, um, as I mentioned before, um, you know, the, the dental industry right now, um, like probably the rest of the world in a lot of ways is going through this period of accelerated polarization. And, um, you know, I do what I do and I work with dentists as I do because I really want to see dentists and the, and dentistry in general succeed. And um, I really believe that what we essentially have with the polarization, and this is only going to continue, is that there are really only two tiers of dental practices. And I know this is going to seem general at first, but we will get to specific, but I think it's really important for for all dentists, dentists coming out of school, dentists that are associates, even in corporate practices, dentists that own their own practices, to really understand this idea. Um, there are really only two tiers of dental practices. Um, one I consider um, commodity practices, and the others I would consider niche practices. Um, you know, commodity practices essentially treat dentistry as exactly that, a commodity. The model is sort of based upon low-cost insurance participation and convenience, both in terms of hours and location. And really, they appeal to people that either view all dentistry as equal or people that acknowledge that there's maybe some differences, but they don't value the quality enough to pay for it. And there is a whole host of practices that will fall under that category. And then with niche practices, I mean, they really treat dentistry as science and art. Um, you know, the model is based on expertise in a specific area of dentistry, and these practices tend to charge higher fees. They have minimal insurance participation, and they put, you know, quality patient experience at the center of their business. Um, it's not solely corporate versus private. I want to be clear about that, too. Um, you know, there are certainly private practices that would fall into this category of commodity-type practices. And there are corporate practices, like ClearChoice, for example, that really do operate in the niche model. But by and large, as corporate dentistry has taken hold of the industry, we've seen a great commoditization of dentistry. And that may sound awful. And honestly, and I guess in some ways it is. You know, there have never been so many practices appealing to the lowest common denominator, and there have never been so many practices doing the bare minimum of what's considered acceptable dentistry. But with all of this, it actually creates an incredible opportunity for the dentists that are willing to take a leap of faith, to step out, to invest in themselves, and to build a niche practice. And so um, that's kind of where I want to go in terms of, you know, sort of advice. So, um, you know, my advice is to have belief in your abilities and belief in the idea that there is room at the top. And there definitely is. In fact, there's less competition at the top. You know, I mean, if you are willing to commit to whatever brand of dentistry that you want to do, you know, for me, it's aesthetic and reconstructive and restorative work, but it could be anything. You know, but committing to that and to to build a practice based upon that, I mean, that's really, you know, from my perspective, that's really where the big leagues of dentistry are. And it's really where you want to play. I mean, it's where all the fun is. 
It's where the patients value your skills and experience. It's where you become insurance independent, where patients are willing to pay more because they recognize you as an expert, not just a commodity. And, you know, honestly, it's also where the real money is in dentistry. You know, I mean, um, in corporate practices, the average dentist makes, I think, average at this point, when I looked recently, it was a little less than 150. And, you know, for private practices, dentists that I'm working with, I mean, it can be very bright up at the top. I mean, we have practices that are um, personally netting dentists that are netting half a million. We even had two that netted over a million this year personally. And, um, you know, it's also where this work-life balance can create the lifestyle that we're looking for as dentists. You know, the money doesn't matter if you don't have time to enjoy it and to share it with those you love. So, you know, my advice is to, is to be willing to not be afraid, to not – like you can either choose, you know – fulfillment or you can choose security. Yeah. Security looks like I have dental school debt. I need to take a corporate job because I have bills to pay and that. And I get that and that is totally fine for a few years to get on your feet. But don't let it suck you in. Don't let it suck the life out of you. Don't let it develop bad habits within you. Keep your eye on the prize and recognize that like, you just have to make a leap of faith at some point in time. You have to, you have to either leave and buy a practice, which is, again, a safer way to go, or start something, but, but get out and, and become a practice owner, either whole or in part. Um, practical advice, don't sign anything that is less than 50% ownership. You want something to like talk about for real and to take with you and to like take it to your grave. If you're going to buy into a practice, buy in into at least an even ownership position. 49% ownership is no say whatsoever. So that's my advice. Stay free and stay an associate. And then when you become an owner, make sure that you either have an equal say at 50-50 or you own the practice 100%. Um, Tremendous. The, 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 best, the best thing that you can do for yourself to get to bridge the gap between having a commodity practice if you own a practice or – if you're trying to switch from associate to owning your own practice is honestly to find, find somebody that has done what you want to do and, and to work with them. I mean, you know, if you're, if you want to learn to be better and understand a concept about a certain aspect of dentistry, aesthetics or veneers or Invisalign or whatever, continuing education is great for that. But when you're like really serious about firing up a practice, changing a practice, jumpstarting a practice, um, you know, find a coach, find a coach and find a good one and, and work with them. And, you know, whether that is me, someone else, you know, the way to know if a coach is a good coach is it's going to be someone that has achieved the results that you want to achieve and has a history of other people achieving those same results. I mean, that's how I got to where I am by seeking out and learning from great mentors. And, um, you know, there's just, there's just no faster way to be able to get where you want to be than to work with someone that's already done it. Um, yeah. 
that's i mean i it's it's just it's just the truth that's just the fastest way to get where you want to go great advice great advice dr bennett wow thank you so much for joining us uh any final thoughts um, no, I mean, honestly, I just wanted to say thank you so much for, for having me. I want to say thank you to all the listeners. I hope that some of this was, um, was helpful today. And, um, you know, I am, I'm definitely someone that I uh, want to be a resource for people. And, um, you know, I would be happy to connect with anyone, um, that is, uh, listening to this, you know, I mean, I, I, I do only um, work with a small number of dentists at one time, um, but you know, even if I didn't have availability, I, I'm very well connected in dentistry, and I, I certainly could help. And I might not even be the right person for what a person wants to create either. I work for, I work with a very specific group of dentists that are looking for a specific type of practice, but um, I, I am close to and connected with a number of additional coaches and mentors as well. So, I mean, if anyone wants to connect with me, I'm sure that you'll have info in the, um, yeah. Dr. Bennett, the, what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you real quick? Cause I'll also add this, but why don't you tell the audience? Sure. I mean, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, my, my website is davidbennettcoaching.com. And there's just info on there on how you can, can reach me. Um, I'm also of course on Instagram and you can, uh, link me there. Um, I can send you KJ those um, those connections. Could, would um, you be able to just mention the handle real quick for the audience? Sure. Say? Yeah, my Insta is at dr. David Bennett. Uh, last name is two N's and two T's. B E N N E T T. Um, but I also just want to say that like um, there's so much like doom and gloom out there as far as like oh my god like the economy is doing this and this is doing that. And there's so much student loan debt and corporate dentistry is doing this. Don't listen to fucking any of that. Like that is what an abundance mindset is about. Like you need to have your vision of what you want your life to look like, and you need to go after it and know that it will work out. Um, sometimes it takes leaning on someone else to, um, to maintain that, that faith and that vision, but, um, believe in what you want to achieve. There's a reason you went into dentistry in the first, in the first place and don't sacrifice because you don't need to. It is really good. Um, there are practices are doing better. I mean, I can't speak to all practices, obviously. I only work with a handful at a time, but in the time that I have coaching practices that I'm working with right now are doing better than they ever have. So, um, you know, just, just stick true to your dream. And, um, you know, if for some reason something I said, um, inspire, inspires you, or you feel like that you resonate with me and, um, and you're interested in potentially seeing how, uh, how we can help one another and how we can work with you, then, um, I'm certainly open to it, but I just wish everyone, uh, the best of luck in their, in their dental journey. And, um, hopefully this was helpful. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Bennett. I know it certainly was helpful to many members listening in our audience. Uh, yeah, I just want to thank everybody for tuning in to today's episode. Definitely one of the best we've had. And, uh, you know, if you wouldn't mind just texting this to a friend, text, texting this to another dentist. If you're a lab tech, um, you know, if, if you if you have any dental contacts, maybe text it to them. If you're an aspiring dentist, maybe send it to a mentor of yours. If you're an experienced dentist, maybe send it to a colleague of yours. And, and it's just Hopefully we can help everybody get a, a little bit better by listening to this show. And yeah, this has been another great episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. We'll catch you next time. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Confessions from a Dental Lab. If you'd like to contact the show, simply send us an email at dentallabpodcast at gmail.com. You can also get in touch with us at life at newartdental on Instagram. Thank you for listening once again. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe and tell a friend. And until next time, we're out.